We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave Rigger. A pleasure to have you along. Let's talk some James Madison baseball, some other sports here coming up as well. But let's focus on baseball as they are playing later this afternoon in the Sunbelt Tournament. They're in the double elimination portion of the tournament as they'll take on the two-seed Southern Miss coming up at 1.30 Eastern time. Let's talk to Noah Fleischman now from the Daily News Record after the Dukes did defeat Old Dominion in the opening round yesterday. Hi, Noah. How are you, sir? Doing well, Dave. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thanks, as always, for coming on. But uh, a, that was a great win for the Dukes. I know it's, in the grand scheme of things, it's one win, but they hadn't won in the postseason for for a minute. And it's a good win over a good Old Dominion team. To, to I really kind of, no matter what happens the rest of the way, kind of a good way to, to cap off this season. It is. I mean, it's their first postseason win since 2016, the first time being in this situation since 2019. So good to see the Dukes get on top. They bought themselves at least two more games in the tournament. You keep winning, keep playing more games. It's just how the you know baseball tournaments work. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a great win to cap off a good year. You know, I think they exceeded expectations. You know, around the board, just with what they did in the regular season, they, they get a postseason win. I think that helps a lot with this JMU team playing in its first Sun Belt tournament in a league that. You know, all 10 teams in this tournament have RPI inside the top 100, which is kind of unheard of if, yeah. if you're not in the SEC or the ACC. No question. Again, they went at 2-1 yesterday. Let's let's talk about the game yesterday first, then we'll expand on that. But, you know, to hold that offense, which is really, really good, to two hits and one run, what a job by the pitching staff. And Todd Mazzocchi was a little bit wild, but, but he limited them to two runs and one hit and three and two-thirds from the bullpen. Did not allow a hit or a run the rest of the way. Incre- the, this was probably, hands down, the best pitching performance of the season with those four guys collectively. I think it is. And, you know, when you talk about Todd Mazzocchi, he came out firing early on, found the zone, then got a little wild, had a few walks, hurt him, and then one swing of the bat, you know, was really different in his, in his outing. He allowed a, home, a solo homer. Um, so, you know, that ended his day. And then he kind of had the bases loaded, you know, walked three guys, and they brought in Matt Kleinfelter, who, you know, if anyone doesn't watch Jamie baseball, he's the kind of guy that literally comes in for one batter, gets the out, and then comes out. That's exactly what happened. Got them out of an inning, got them out of the jam, and they set the table though nicely for T.R. Williams, who the, the Page County, you know, stands out. He pitched four and a third, no hits, no runs, you know, four strikeouts, just one walk. I mean, that was his probably best outing of the year, and then Joe Bogaski was able to close the door. So four pitchers used, only two of them pitched more than an inning, so I think that helps, you know, in this situation of a tournament where you're playing every day, though. As the least amount of pitchers he can throw, the better. And I think that was kind of the best way they could set it up for the rest of the way, especially now being the double elimination. Well, and I can barely can, you know, kind of work with things a little bit more. You're not having to throw, you know, your season's not on the line today, but they, they pitch really well. And that's kind of what they needed against that ODU team who has, you know, Hunter Fitzgerald, one of the best bats in the, in the conference, and he didn't really do much against them. Kind of ironic that they threw so well, even against ODU in the regular season in that series when they won two of three, they threw the ball pretty well. But we've been kind of waiting for this pitching staff to become more consistent. But I think they have found their roles and kind of Coach Eikenberry, Coach Jackson kind of know their roles on this team. So they're probably about as strong as they as they have been the entire year as far as their pitching staff goes. They've been more consistent of late. T.R. Williams was fantastic. He's in a much better role than he was to begin the season. It just took some time to kind of figure out their pitching staff. It did. We, we knew their offense was there. They can put up runs. We've seen it before. I mean, they scored 25 against ODU the first time around. They, they put up big numbers against VCU and VMI. So that wasn't the problem. The problem was pitching and finding consistent pitching. And I think they're finding it now. I mean, Georgia Southern, the last regular season weekend, was kind of up and down a weekend yeah. as a whole. But, you know, run support didn't really come, and that's kind of what hurt them. But this time around, they got all the runs they needed. They only needed more than one. They got two on one swing of the bat, you know, a double from Kyle Novak. And 
and that helped his pitching stuff, I think, calm down and settle down. And, you know, when you're pitching this well in May, I think that's a good sign, especially if you, you have sights set on making this way tournament. If you're JMU to do that, you're going to have to win on Sunday to make that happen. We're talking to Noah Fleischman again from the Daily News Record, talking some JMU baseball as they get set for the uh, double elimination portion of the tournament today coming up in Montgomery. They'll play this afternoon at 1.30 against the two-seed Southern Miss after defeating Old Dominion yesterday. Talk about T.R. Williams. You, you wrote about him in the paper today online as well at dnronline.com, but he he's a guy with an immense amount of talent. Obviously, folks kind of know his story being a local kid from Page County and what he had to go through. Committed to Virginia Tech, was there for a year, didn't pitch, and now he's at James Madison, but he has an electric arm at times. It's kind of a matter of, of kind of figuring it out. But, boy, he did yesterday. What a story his story is. But for him to do what he did yesterday was unbelievable. It was. I mean, he's a guy who at the beginning of the year was a starter on the weekend for JMU. He struggled in that role. He he, he kind of struggled getting out of a few innings, and it, it really hurt him. He's got a, he's the kind of guy who can strike people out. We've seen it, right? He also kind of sometimes misses his own, has a lot of walks. But yesterday, only limited that to one walk, four strikeouts. He got a lot of, you know, fly balls and ground balls to really help his defense behind him get the outs. Um, and he did exactly what Jamie needed. And it's really good to see a kid like that who it's only his first year playing college baseball. And he pitches really well, has multiple arm slots, which is hard, not only for batters to, to hit, but also for him to be so consistent in finding spots. And the last few weeks, he's really been consistent out of the pen for JMU. And, I don't think we'll see him today, but he's a guy who, if Jamie sees him on the line, I wouldn't be shocked if they turn him for, you know, get a few innings out of him just because of how effective he's been. Yeah, and Joe Vygotsky, you mentioned him. He came on to get the last two outs. He did have a walk in there, but got a big strikeout. He had a big, to win their, the game against Georgia Southern, he got five outs to get a save there and came in a clutch situation. He's been pretty clutch all year long. He has. He was also a guy who started his college career as a starter yeah. at JMU, and the biggest thing with him was he was he struggled to you know rebound from the start his arm and things like that just a struggle so you know they put him in the bullpen and and last year he kind of started in that this year he's been all you know in the bullpen the whole year um, as that kind of go to closer throws you know mid nineties fastball one of the, the the hardest throwing guys that Jamie has you know on their pitching staff as a whole and he's a guy who can strike a lot of people out he he's refined his off speed which has kind of helped him a lot this year he's having his best year statistically you know ERA you know walks to strike out everything like that is you know at his career best, and he's clicking at the right time, and it's pretty impressive to do it against these Sunbelt batters that have seen mid-90s before. And they say, yeah, you don't, and these guys are just hoping that they, they get a walk, basically. This time, a lot of these batters can hit mid-90s fastballs, and he still gets them to swing through it. So he's been effective, and I think we'll see him probably a lot of times throughout the tournament as long as they keep him you know, to an inning or less. And in most outings, I think he only threw 13 pitches, so he's pretty fresh. And I, I love that Kyle Novak drove in the two runs to get the two to one victory. He's a guy that's been in this program now for five years. He and Trayvon Dabney, the, the veterans of this club, Trey gets on base and then Kyle drives him and uh, Fenwick Trimble in to take the lead. And that's all they needed. But he's had such a good year. He kind of goes under the radar just because of what <laughs> he just goes about his business. He's not flashy, but again, he's hitting 365. He now has 42 RBI. I think that's a career high for him now. And he's just, he's so steady. We've talked about this on broadcast that we've done together but he's had an unbelievable year that kind of goes under the radar it does and i think part of it is where he's batting in the order he bats in the fifth and sixth <laughs> right. spot just because of the way that they designed the lineup to make it work and i mean you normally put him in the fourth spot probably just because he's your, your most consistent hitter he leads the team in batting average and i think that you know it says a lot about him kind of you know it's his last year of college baseball he's owning this role of batting that you know in the middle of the lineup which a lot of guys might not like but if you know you look at it this way, there's gonna be a lot more guys on base by the time he gets up, and he's he's got the ability to find holes in a defense. And yesterday, 
his double was all they needed. He actually ended up on third after Trayvon Dabney kind of went home on the throw. And, uh, you know, speaking of Trayvon Dabney, it's his last year as college baseball. And after he, he dove home, half of his jersey comes up on he's Pops up after beating the tag, <laughs> and he had a big fist pump, and he was fired up. So I think you know these two guys know what they're playing for. They yeah. know you know that could have been the last game of their career uh, at JMU if, if they had lost. And now they they buy themselves two more games. And Trayvon Dabney, a guy who's been playing with a lot of energy this year, and I'd expect to see that more this week. Yeah, with those two guys, that was that was cool to see that moment when he's got the fist pump. And you know they wanted to play at least two more games, and, and hopefully it's more than that. But you put on Twitter this morning that before yesterday the Dukes hadn't won a tournament game. Since 2016, you put the video up of Mike Mancini at the Little League World Series. As three months after that win, he was able to win the Little League World Series with his team up in New York. But ironically, he looks the exact same, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. <laughs> Just has a stash now. A bit, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's grown a little bit, got a little taller, but you know, he's got a little bit of facial hair. But other than that, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much the same. But that, that is a big deal for this team, isn't it? To, to win a postseason game. So many there were so many naysayers that going into the Sun Belt. Yes, everybody felt like JMU could compete in most sports. I don't think people thought they could could compete in baseball just because of they hadn't finished very high in the CA. Let's be honest; it's just it is what it is. They hadn't won a postseason game since 2016. So the, again, those are facts. So a lot of people didn't think they could compete. For them to do what they've done now, get 31 wins. Finishing again, they were a couple losses out of being being the three seed in this tournament. So they were competing the entire year. Now to get into the double elimination portion, this I don't know. I just feel like this is a this is a huge step for the program. Now they gotta they gotta sustain it and continue to do that and and recruit at a higher level and and stay competitive in this really good league. But this is a this is a huge this was been this has been a huge year for Marlon Eikenberry. It really has. I mean, you talk about it, right? Jam you. Finishes, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth in the CAA, and it's like, okay, well, what are they going to do in the Sun Belt? Probably going to be in the bottom of the league, just because. And then what do they do? They come out and finish seventh, and in a Sun Belt that you know is really competitive. I said, top ten of the teams are in the top 100 in the RPI. You've got the top two seeds are both nationally ranked. I mean, they've got one of them today, and yeah, it's it's a really big step for this program. They have uh, 11 now, I think, quad two wins, which you know, before this year, in the last you know, seven years when Marlon Eikenberry has been the head coach. I don't think, I looked it up, they did not have, let me think, that's four, seven, eight, nine. They had 12 quad two wins in the past seven seasons wow. that they had played, full seasons. And they have 11 of them this year. So, yes, they were only one and, eight, one and eight in quad one. But the amount of quad two wins, it's a really good league, competitive league, and people try to say, well, this is a Jamie team that normally pads its wins in quadrant four, which is, you know, teams 150 to 300 in the in the RPI, which, you know, perennially they've had 20 wins in that. They have 18 wins in that this year. But, you know, 11 quad two wins says a lot about this program and the step they've taken just because they're playing, you know, so many competitive teams. And I talked to Mullen Eikenberry about it. He, he admitted, like, yeah, you know, next year they're going to look at our scheduling a little bit different to try to get more of these quad two and quad three games in because if you're playing a sun belt and you can, if you can finish in the top five and you've got a decent enough resume, you can get in that large in this conference, which, you know, in the CAA you couldn't. And so I think that they're going to take a little, a better look at that. But, you know, overall it's a, it's a big step forward for this program and big step forward for Marlon Eikenberry now, you know, tying his, his career best at JMU and wins at 31 and you can go for 32 this week and, and get past that and try to get JMU back to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2011. Yeah. 
It's been a while, no doubt. Again, good stuff from Marlon Eikenberry this year and his team, and they'll play again this afternoon. It'll be a huge challenge. Again, they got swept by Southern Miss. This was a team that hosted a regional a year ago. It's not the same team, but still a really good team. They've got the Sunbelt Pitcher of the Year going today. But I don't know. I, I just They hit him fairly well the first time. Sam Armstrong, the pitcher for ODU, he finishes 9-4 and four this year, two losses to JMU. So I just I feel like these guys are going to scratch and claw. They'll be in it. What do you expect today against Southern Miss? Yeah, I mean, you talk about Sam Armstrong, a guy that JMU uh, lit up in the first game. He was a second-team all-sunbelt pitcher. Today they get the pitcher of the year. And last time around they hit him for 12 hits. All of them singles, but they got contact and found spaces. And that's, you know, double the most amount that any other team has hit off of uh, Tanner Hall this year, and that was his kind of second worst start in conference play. The other only worst one came against Coastal Carolina, where who was the number one seed in the tournament. Um, I think that they, if they hit him well again, they've got a really good shot at you know pulling up. So yes, it's not a must-win game in a way because you, you do get that other game. But the longer you go without losing in the tournament, it helps your case, you know, going down the line because there's going to be a team probably in the Sun Belt Championship game that you have to beat them twice if you want to win the title. So. It's going to be a big step. Southern Miss is really good. Slade Wilkes had a two-homer day against JMU last time around, which incited some, you know, interesting tweets from from Southern Miss's, uh, you know, team account. But other than that, you know, it's a really good team that JMU's got their hands full with, and Ryan Murphy goes out on the mound. But this JMU team's shown they can score runs. They hung with them late the first time they played. It was a seven-six loss and had the tie run on third with a strikeout. So they can do it. Um, it's just a matter of putting things together, you know, in the conference play. And in Southern Miss, you know, they haven't played this week. Um, JMU has. It may go in the JMU's favor a little bit, just these batters being used to playing that stadium. One thirty is that uh, first pitch Eastern time they'll take on Southern Miss this afternoon. For the side of the bracket is App State and Troy. That's the other games that the Dukes will play against here coming up here in the first couple games of the double elimination portion of the tournament after beating ODU yesterday 2-1. to one. Noah Fleischman is with me right now from the Daily News Record. A couple of things I want to bring up with you before I let you go. You wrote about this earlier in the week as the Sunbelt Conference is likely to add swimming and diving for the 23-24 school year. And JMU, obviously, their women's swimming and diving kind of looking for a home right now. And uh, how how realistic is that in your mind? Seems pretty realistic. You know, Jeff Bourne sounded really optimistic about it, basically saying it's almost a done deal. They'll, they'll have, you know, something in the, within the next month. I'd expect it to get done. I mean, when you look at the teams that Sunbelt added when JMU joined, you know, Marshall and ODU also have swim and dive, so it kind of works perfectly. And then Georgia Southern's that fourth team in the conference. So they'll look to add a couple, you know, affiliate members, which is probably the the thing they're doing right now to figure out what they can round this league out. But I, I think they'll have it done and be able to do that next uh, next year. That's a big deal for, for JMU Swimming and Diving, isn't it, to have a home? Yeah, I mean, they had a home in the, in the CCSA this past year, which is where Marshall and Georgia Southern and, and – or Georgia Southern and ODU live. And Swimming and Dive is – you know, it's 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 a good conference, but you know, JMU wants to have as many of its sports under the same conference as possible. You know, that's the one thing about this move is there's a few sports weren't that weren't sponsored, like women's lacrosse, swim and dive, and field hockey. Um, and at least they can make you know that work and get one team back under the same umbrella. I think Jeff Warner really enjoy that and it can compete against you know the this familiar foes and conference play and go for for some belt championships and kind of help increase those numbers. JMU has been. Super successful in year one of the Sun Belt, and they want to continue that. Can we talk with Noah Fleischman from the Daily News Record? A couple more minutes here with him. And you talked about expanding Bridgeforth as well. You wrote about that. And again, we had a chance to, to talk to Mr. Bourne last week and, and get his thoughts. And again, that was brought up just because of the season ticket sales over 8,000 now. And we'll see if they open it back up or not or if they're capped at that, at that amount right now. But 
Um, what do you? What's your take on that? Do you feel like because of of now all of the season ticket and the interest for that that it's an all time high right now that this could be become realistic here sooner rather than later? I think it's a you know it's at least a good you know metric point of saying okay there's demand, but I think the next part that you know Jeff Warren basically hinted at is how can this be sustained? If Jamie sells at every game this season, then and there's you know that that says something good. They sold out two last year, had two more that were close to sell out. Um, in their 25,000 seat stadium. And, you know, if you expand it, you're going to be pushing 30, maybe 35,000. The, the exact number, you know, isn't, you know, known because they haven't designed it yet. But it's, I think it's likely. I don't think it's, you know, likely in the next, you know, couple of years. Um, it's a very expensive project to begin with. But um, I think if demand stays high and people miss out on season tickets, I think it'll be a good, good thing for, for Jeff Warren to kind of keep looking into. He, he, you know, kind of committed to looking into it, didn't commit to actually doing it quite mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. <laughs> It'll probably be a minute, but uh, again, I think there is, if if they break the record again next year, if they do it after that, then all of a sudden this could become a reality that, okay, this is going to be sustained, that, that the interest is always going to be there. So uh, that, that's probably going to be on JMU Nation as far as the interest in season tickets here moving forward. Yeah, it is. I mean, they, they've set two new records in the last two years. They've had, you know, Plenty of seasons above seven thousand. Uh, it's, you know, it's good. It's a good place to be for JMU, and especially as they continue to play in the FBS, continue to get some good non-conference teams in here as well. I think it also helps. All right, you talked to the latest to commit to JMU on Friday, Louisville transfer Aaron Gunn, who is on the offensive line, and, and again, we'll add some depth up front for this team. What did you find out about Aaron Gunn, the transfer from Louisville? Yeah, he's a good guy, good depth piece for this offensive line. He 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 can play both tackle and guard. He expects to you know compete at both positions this year. You know this summer, um, going into the fall, um, and you know he was at Louisville the past two years, played in one game there against Wake Forest. You know, I think a week or two before JMU went down to Louisville, and he talked about you know when they were game planning for JMU and how good that defensive line with James Carpenter and you know, Jamari Edwards and Isaac Lugu were, and how you know he was really impressed on that, and you know. That was kind of a main focus for that team was how good their defensive front was to, to you know try to beat JMU, which they obviously did. But it was a lot of compliment, and he was kind of looking forward to the challenge of not only competing against this, this starting five group that JMU has in the offensive line, but also competing against the you know super talented defense that JMU has, and he's, he's looking forward to. You mentioned Isaac Uku. No shock that he lands in the SEC, is it? I, I think you and I were thinking maybe it could be Auburn, but he goes Ole Miss instead, and he's hottie toddy now. Yeah, he had three official visits all in the SEC. He went to Mizzou, Auburn, and Ole Miss, and Lane Kiffin ends up landing Isaac Wuku for yep. his final, you know, semester of college football. I'll put it because I think he said he's not going to stay the whole year. Um, it's kind of like you know, similar to what Diamante Tucker Dorsey did last yeah. year at Texas. Go for your last semester. You've got the extra year. May as well do it and and go go have fun playing in big time college football. And that's what he's going to try to do. We'll see if he can compete for you know a starting spot or just be a rotational guy for for Ole Miss. But you know, good for him. Of, Getting in there with the Rebels, and is he now jumps into SEC football? You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. So again, we're talking to Noah Fleischman from the DNR, just finishing up with a little JMU football. Obviously, when the when the denied waiver came down from the NCAA last month, that we talked about how is that going to change this roster? Will it hurt? Well, we didn't see many guys transfer, so that was a good sign. They retained about everybody. But the one thing that I think it has affected is probably getting some transfers to come in. And there has not been many. Again, Gunn is, is one that has. There's just been a couple since the uh, the waiver was denied. Do you feel like that has has kind of 
been an issue as far as maybe some of these guys in the transfer portal pulling the trigger on coming to JMU because that waiver was denied? I don't know. I mean, yeah, it, it seems like they've you know swung and missed at a few guys in the portal where you know one ended up at Illinois, but one ended up at Jacksonville State, who is in the same boat as JMU right now, right, of being in that year two of FBS transition. So I'm not sure how it gets played a factor. I think it has a little bit. Um, especially with teams recruiting against JMU. But, I mean, in, this, in the case of Jacksonville State, same boat. Guy's got multiple years of eligibility, so it doesn't hurt too bad. Um, but we'll see what they can do. I mean, I think Kurt Zigdendi, he's still got his eyes on a few, you know, guys in the portal. He's got a few scholarships open. I'd expect defensive back to be the next spot that they hit. I mean, I, I do know he's he's going after a couple. and he, he missed on one who ended up at Illinois. But, you know, there's one in the portal that I've got my eyes on, and, We'll see if he can if he can land you know Trevor Mullen, a guy who is also going to be transferring. He's coming from Indiana, and you know he's got a famous cousin by Lamar Jackson. Mm. And he's got two brothers in the NFL. He's got two brothers in the NFL on def- that are defensive backs, and his cousin Lamar Jackson. So good football family there. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, piques my interest when you say that. So we'll see what happens with that. So keep your eye on that. Noah Flashman trying to trying to see if uh, maybe will that into uh, existence. So we'll, we'll see if that happens, but. All right, man, I appreciate you. Always check out more of his stuff, dnronline.com slash sports, or pick up the paper as well. Thanks, Noah. Appreciate it, Dave.